The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with Aaron Heffron, president of Market Connections, and we're going to take a pretty deep dive into their uh, recently released Content Marketing Review 2019. Aaron, welcome back, man. Thank you. Nice to be here. Good to have you. Uh, Tell people a little bit about you and about Market Connections, please. Sure. Well, They're one and the same in many cases. You can't separate one from the other at times. Market Connection, uh, founded by Lisa DeZuti 25 years ago, really uh, is meant to focus on the uh, public sector market. And our role and our job is to give government marketers, those folks who have to work in work in the public sector area and market in the public sector area, the information they need to figure out where they should be, who they should be talking to, and what's the best way to talk to them. And the the studies that we do on a regular basis are really meant to help answer those questions as well as the work we do with the clients, uh, with clients directly. And here I thought they were meant to verify the uh, the seminars that I was doing. but Well, that's, 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 that's what me. we do on the side. <laughs> that's the side. No, I've, I've been using uh, uh, Mark Connections uh, – uh, research for all of those 25 years. Um, they're, they're, sometimes they redirect my thinking. Oftentimes they validate my thinking. Um, but they're, they're always educational. So, um, and if you didn't make it to the, uh, the study uh, briefing, you can download and follow along on air uh, by going to marketconnectionsinc.com and downloading the Content Marketing Review 2019 so you'll have an idea of exactly what we're talking about here. So um, so I, I, I pulled up some slides from 2017, and we may get there, but the methodology this time was a little bit different. So what were your objectives? Yeah, so the goal of the content marketing uh, study that we do is to really look at the types of information that government decision makers, especially those on the technology side, the types of information and the format of that information that they use on a daily basis. And when they make decisions and are trying to get more information, what do they and where do they go? So the content study itself, uh, the methodology has remained relatively similar. This is the third time we've done it where we've surveyed Uh, those folks who have a decision-making role in the technology field sitting within the federal government. Uh, We've done that now. This is the third time around for those folks to see uh, if there has been some evolution over time. This year, though, we added a little extra twist, as we tend to try to do each year, uh, where we added in surveys to state and local government folks as well. Um, It's a constant question. We get public sector marketers are often tasked with both targeting the federal market and targeting the state and local government market. So we said, let's look and see where those differences are and where people can experience some economies of scale because they could generate and develop content that satisfies both. 
Right. And and uh, especially, you know, you don't often get salespeople doing Fed sled, but you often get marketing people exactly. doing both. Yeah, they're they're often put under the umbrella, and they said if if it's any sort of regulated industry or institutional agency, hey, throw it along to the Fed sled folks, whether it's a hospital, a school, or a federal agency. Right. Yeah. So, um, so the uh, uh, people, the locations. So, give me a little bit of the demographics. Yeah. So the individuals that we interviewed uh, and surveyed, it was an online survey of those individuals. These are folks that are both at civilian and defense agencies in the federal space. They have a role in decision-making. And now I will clarify that a little bit in saying the decision-making, as I like to say, there's a lot of points along the lines that folks can say no, uh, but only one point in the line where they say yes. So it's important to make sure you market to all those folks, the folks who are developing the specifications of what you are uh, trying to sell and what RFP they're putting out, folks that are sitting on review committees and review groups, all of those folks are ones that are can say no along the way. So we make sure we pick up all those people uh, as you go. We also targeted the folks from the state and local level in the larger cities, states, and counties, those with populations over 250,000, uh, to make sure we weren't talking to the real small uh, towns along the way. The, the folks There's that have few. budgets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the folks that have some budgets – who have a concerted process and may have an actual department in place to make those kind of technology decisions. So we do it all around the country, uh, both inside and outside the D.C. area for federal. It's very important to make sure that you're talking to both people who are inside the Beltway, figuratively, and those folks that are outside the Beltway. You know, we often find that decisions are being made out in the field. Um, and requirements are being developed out in the field. Uh, so many of our clients really want to target in the D.C. area because they figure that's where the decisions are made. And we really try to push them and say, no, let's take a look and see where they are. And in this study, we do the same thing and look at that difference inside and outside the Bellway. And that's part of what Market Connections offers individual clients is telling people not only who they are but where they are. Right. We <coughs> We try to get into the – location of the individuals, the level of the individuals, and the job role that those individuals might have. Uh, many of the folks who develop the budgets are not technical people. They are program managers or they're folks that are really dealing with the outcomes of the agency itself and the service of the agency, uh, not necessarily the nuts and bolts of how it's getting done. So the way you talk to and the way we work with our clients is to really find out What's the language and mediums to talk to those non-technical people along with what are the things that the more technical people need to make the decisions that they need to make? Okay, cool. So um, any any age disparities here? You know, we do see a little bit of age difference over time, and this has been an evolution. We see it in this study. We've seen it in the media study that we do at another part of the year when we're, where we look at what kinds of media folks consume. Uh we're looking at age and we're seeing the retirements that are happening. I mean, OPM said last year was the biggest retirements they've had, filings they've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think over the past 10 years, I think it's up to six or 700,000 civilian employees have retired um, over that period of time. It's a big chunk of people to have to replace and replacing them with younger people. So we look at the younger folks. We did see some differences, and I hope we can talk about that as we, as we go along 
some differences in the way the younger folks are consuming and accessing data and information uh, and how they're using marketing tools and materials uh, in their decision-making process. Yeah, I'd have to assume that the uh, the the uh, younger they get, the more mobile-friendly and digital-friendly they are. So I, I would say uh, yes to some extent, um, but you are dealing with, and we are talking to a lot of technology decision-makers, so technology folks by nature are tend to be a little ahead of the curve in the use of some of those things. But as far as, you know, so the channel and the way you receive it is one thing. But the format of the content itself, we're finding some differences in what you want to read versus what you want to listen to versus what you want to watch. Uh, those are some of the things we're starting to see a little bit of difference in. Okay. So as far as most valuable content goes, one of the things I really enjoyed about this study was uh, you segmented products, services, and emerging or new tech. Um, So uh, first, why? Yeah, it's really a reaction to many of the questions we've been fielding over the last year or two uh, where folks will say, well, I want to develop a piece of content, but, you know, I'm selling widgets, I'm selling boxes. It seems like what folks need to know is very different about this box that I'm selling Versus if I'm selling something, a more complicated added value service or a new technology where maybe not everyone completely understands what it does or what the value of it is. Uh, It's easy to say, here's what the, uh, you know, what a monitor does. This is what a server (coughs) does. It's, you know, that's known information. But what exactly is AI? You know, it's so many different things to so many different people and I don't think it's completely defined yet, even those people who think they do know what AI is. So we, we broke it out into the products, the services, and the services are more of those things that you do know that are more familiar to everybody. And then the emerging things, blockchain, AI, uh, machine learning, that's the sort of thing that it's going to require a little more definition than it is necessarily description. Yeah, and figuring out where the heck it fits. Exactly. So, so, uh, but here, here's the other cool thing: um, the same tactics apply in each category, just in a relatively, uh, not even relatively, sometimes a, a very different order. But um, uh, research for products, service, and emerging tech is at or near the top. Yeah, it's. We broke it out and we said, well, wouldn't it be great, you know, any type of researcher always says, wouldn't it be great if all these things are different as we go along? Well, the finding is in many cases things are very similar uh, for each of these. So that's both the good news and the bad news. Uh, But what it really does come down to is you have to have the specific bits of information that individuals need and are looking for. And that research and background information is what folks are looking for a lot in there. So they're reading those research reports. Now, what a research report looks like for a product could be very different than what a research report looks like for an emerging technology. Just because the research report for a product may have some very key specifications, some very technical details in it. The research report for an emerging technology may focus more on the outcomes or on – 
what is the value or the incremental change that will come by implementing this type of system. And it may be more of a description of how that came to be rather than a description of what it is exactly. Okay, cool. So, um, <clears throat> but again, you know, you probably saw the article I did in Wash Tech uh, that um, there were like five or six things that showed up in the top eight for everything. Right. So, um, you know, and 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 well, and if you look at those those yeah. top ones, they are the very information heavy pieces. They're exactly. the research reports. They're the white papers. They're case studies, which you know, case studies are really telling that story. Um, of what it, something does, um, the product specifications are included in that top group. You know, the demonstrations of the product itself are in that top group, and those are all very information heavy. If you had to check a box um, as you're going through, those are where you yeah. would go to check the box. We're we're going to go through all of them, but we're going to do it. <clears throat> pardon me, right after the break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Aaron Heffron right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Aaron Heffron. You want to reach out to Aaron, you can do so at marketconnectionsinc.com or find him on LinkedIn. It's Heffron with two Fs. You got it. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's, let's just run down the, uh, um, the tactics here. Uh, product demos, research report, white papers, marketing collateral. That one surprised me. Um, but it kind of depends on marketing collateral for what. Exactly. Uh, case studies, trials. Trials is cool. Uh, blogs, articles, webinars, videos, online magazines, infographics, newsletters, e-newsletters, e-books, and podcasts. Now, I was really surprised that podcasts was at or near the bottom for pretty much everybody. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot about podcasts. Podcasts have been a lot of up and down over the last 10 years uh, where it's going strong for a while, then it will fade a little, and then it comes back strong again. I think we're in a strong time of podcasts right now. And seeing it toward the bottom didn't necessarily surprise me too much. And this is where I start thinking the age aspect of things is coming into play. And the reason I say that is because when we compare the federal audience to the state and local audience, uh, we saw some changes in who prefer, preferred what kind of format. Right. And we found the state and local folks tend to be a little younger, and we saw them gravitating more towards things like podcasts. But I think it really comes down to what people are looking for uh, and what they want to get out of that piece of collateral. Podcasts are great for getting some details and some technical information maybe hearing an interview or a description of a story being told. And you alluded to the um, marketing collateral surprising you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody always thinks they hate marketing collateral and, and what are they going to do with this? And <coughs> we thought the same thing. We saw it. We're like, marketing collateral? Well, why? Well, marketing collateral has a role in introducing new concepts and new thoughts to people who maybe hadn't thought of it before. And if you think about the marketing collateral you – develop, the best marketing collateral really is the most refined, succinct way of telling a specific story about a particular product or service that you have. You know, a research report is long and a, you got to get through a lot. White paper is long, you got to get through a lot. 
Marketing collateral, however, is usually written in a very succinct manner, very punchy, and really trying to tell a story just to get you to the next step to understand. And it's something very helpful for non-technical people because it's usually written in that way. Yeah, and when I'm advising people on collateral or leave-behinds, I also say, you know, include your NAICS, include your product service codes, your SINs, if you can, and your contractual vehicles. Yeah, it's, so. it's, the, it's the product business card. For yeah. the lack of a better way to put it, uh, it gives you all the hard-hitting you need, information you need to get to the next step. Okay. Were there any surprises for you on the most valuable content side? You know, I think the, the thing that surprised me most uh, at this point was uh, that video didn't necessarily rank higher in that than it has. There's been a lot of effort and time spent on video and a lot of talk and money. and money spent on video along the way. And I was surprised to see it wasn't a little higher. Now, when I look at the list, I'm not saying necessarily that one is is better, that you should only put your uh, eggs in this one basket. You should only write research reports and white papers. There's a diversification. Different people consume information different ways. But given all of the uh, attention given to video. I was surprised it wasn't a little higher. I will say, however, video was much higher among state and local public sector folks than it was among the federal folks. And I has, have to believe that that's somewhat due to uh, some of the age aspects that we talked about before. Yeah, but <clears throat> we also need to talk a little bit about repurposing content. So I view white papers as a podcast waiting to happen. Well, that's true. It, you, you want to create collateral material that's both evergreen and, as I like to say, you can cope it. You know, create it once and play it everywhere. So, right, you right. create a research paper uh, and then you can break that into six different chunks. Those become a blog series. They become part of a newsletter and they also become part of maybe a thought leadership piece that you're doing. Yep. Webinar, whatever. Yeah, webinars as well. Um, yeah, there was that was a little bit of a surprise for me too. Uh, webinars being kind of mid, low, uh, upper, uh, mid pack throughout. Yeah, I think I think webinars. I can't say that they've run their course, but I think there is such a saturation of webinars right now that folks are a little cautious about them. I think folks have been burned too many times by very salesy webinars. I think we've yes. all been on them at yeah. times. Oh yeah, where you think, oh, this will be a great webinar. Five minutes into it, you're basically listening to a 25-minute sales pitch. And I think that's what folks worry about with them a little bit, and that's what tends to give them a little bit of a bad name, that it's just a way to suck you in to you know, sell you the timeshare. Yeah, and they're not a client, but there are some companies that have mastered webinars and have become a trusted source of the information they provide, and I'm talking about Kerasoft. Yeah, there are companies that use them very well. Um, there are many companies out there that keep them very informative. They keep them relatively technical. They use them as a way to target specific groups and communicate a lot of information in a short period of time to as many people as possible. We run webinars on a regular basis really with the intent of getting as much information out as we can. You know, I I, I want to take a slam at uh, at the uh, webinar offers because every one of them puts out a webinar on how to do webinars, and every friggin' one of them is a commercial. 
<laughs> is what it is. But it is. Um, so gaps in content. Um, you want to touch on that for a minute? Well, you know, the really the gaps that we were looking at was the difference in uh, – the state and local audiences and the federal audiences of mm-hmm. what they want and how they want things. And we're generally seeing that, as I said, the, the younger ones are looking toward a little more, as I like to say, lean back content where you can lean back and listen to it, lean back and watch it as opposed to things that you kind of got to lean forward to and read uh, as you go along. And that's what we often see in, on the federal side. They're still leaning forward into the information you and I are leaning forward into our information, communicating through a lean back enterprise. There we go. There we go. So uh, uh, features. <clears throat> yeah, the the features that you have, and you know, it's great that you can put together a a podcast that's going to reach a lot of people, a webinar. But we really found that there's three legs to that content stool that make things stand. You know, the first, it has to have that data and research to support it. Right. So that's that's the core. You have to have things like product specifications in there to give you the information. So when they're going down, they can check the boxes. Yes, it has this. Yes, it has this. Yes, it has that. And then the examples of the past performance of how has this worked before. We know we all market to a pretty risk-averse audience. Uh, they're not willing to be on the bleeding edge. So they want to see those examples of how has this been done in the past. Once you have those three really set, then you can start overlaying other things on there, uh, tailoring it to specific specific organizations, uh, really bringing in thought leaders, whether they be from government or from industry themselves. But the key thing, and, and we just alluded before, is keep it as non-sales sounding as possible. You are providing a service of information out there and you're helping them make decisions, not necessarily telling them the decision they have to make. Yeah. Um, I do a, uh, a three-hour presentation on LinkedIn and I have one coming up. Uh, I have several coming up, but one one public, usually they're in-house. Uh, in-house, I don't do this, but in the public ones, I do have one slide at the end of almost 300 slides that says, if you want this in-house, here's how you can access me. And that's the only the only sales pitch sure. I have. Sure. No, you want to be an expert, You know, be seen as an expert. And the best way to be seen as an expert is to provide good information to them. You know, I. it is different, though, the content. We did see some differences based on the format that you're delivering in. So there are some formats that just lean heavier to specific types of content. For example, blogs. We found that blogs, folks are much more willing to hear from industry thought leaders in blogs than they are necessarily listening to, you know, wanting them in a white paper or wanting them in a case study or even a webinar. You know, it's just something about the format. They're going in, reading a blog. It's short. It's to the point. If it's written by an industry thought leader, that definitely is better for them. Uh, things like videos may lean a little more toward uh, it wanting to be tailored to their type of organization. And I encourage in the in the report that you can download uh, from our website, there's the full breakdown where we break out all of these different content formats and say, if you're going to do a blog, 
here's the direction the content should be. If you're going to do a webinar, this is how it should go. Yeah, and it, it's <clears throat> it's really pretty detailed. It, it It's more detailed if you buy the full report, but um, we're only going to talk about the download. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Aaron Heffron right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Aaron Heffron of Market Connections. I, I misspoke in the uh, in the last segment. This what you download is the full study. This is not one of the other studies where there's a huge thing behind it. So if <clears throat> you want Aaron to take a little deeper dive for your company, uh, get in touch. Reach out through LinkedIn or reach out through Market Connections Inc. Dot com. Let's talk about content placement because uh, there, there's some things here that um, you actually singled me out for in the uh, in the other. But let's just talk about you know kind of top down here. Yeah, I mean you could create the best content, but if nobody can find it, then or it's not where people need it, uh, it's of no use to you. So yeah, if, if that's you're what, using your Smith Corona in the basement and you're not mailing it to somebody, that's right. That's right. So. <laughs> The, so we asked about how do you get to the content and where do you get your content from, uh, meaning what channel do you get it from. And what we have found is something that doesn't surprise anybody uh, along the way. We find that the you know search engine side of things is still important. SEO is important. People find things that way. They find websites that way. Your corporate website is still important. Um, as a channel to find things. Uh, but what we did find was that uh, there are – the federal folks tend to definitely have a destination in mind and using the more kind of traditional online sources of information uh, to get it versus what we may think of a, from a social media side. And if we look at the rankings of how – important these are and how effective they are, you know, at the top for the federal audience is the SEO search engines and the kind of the government-related websites, those trusted websites and communities that they're going to go to uh, to get the information they need. Further down that list are places on social media like uh, SlideShare, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, those places still very important in a way to get things out there, but especially among the federal audience, a complement to a broad distribution scheme that you may have in order to get this content out there. The state and local side, those social media channels are even more important though, uh, and those are actually rising to closer to some of the other uh, channels that we see. So, I would definitely say social media. I mean, LinkedIn is probably the highest rated, ranked of those social media mm. uh, channels, and, and that doesn't surprise me. I know you've had that experience. Yeah, you. You. Uh, I wasn't part of the panel, but you asked me from the podium, uh, was I surprised that LinkedIn only had uh, 47% in effectiveness for online channels? And I probably gave some nebulous answer because I wasn't really prepared to play but here, here's my thought in retrospect. First of all, it's up 14 points over the 2017 study. Sure. Second of all, it's not LinkedIn's primary role. It's one of the roles that LinkedIn plays in the community. If you need to get it in front of specific people, 
there's probably not a better way than LinkedIn because you can put the link to your content in a message right. to someone. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think the growth of it that we've seen year over year is that it continues to continues to grow. It continues to have a presence. It is it is one arrow in your quiver as you go yeah. and I think that you see it even more so in the state and local area. I mean, if you look at the effectiveness among state and local, it's nearly 70%. Yeah, that surprised um, me. And I that was, was happy. <laughs> that's huge uh, as far as where you want to go. But I think what you see is the state and local audience is willing to go to a lot of different places and trust a lot of different places that the content is going to be real. I think there has been some hit with respect to channels, media, uh, media delivery channels, with respect to the fake news, all that sort of thing going on over the past couple of years now, where I think it has taken a little bit of a hit in the more personal side of the equation. So the Facebooks, the Twitter, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think LinkedIn is a little insulated from that. Uh, we didn't see, don't see that as much affected by a questioning of this, is this good information or not? I, I think, you know... <clears throat> At least in the communities on LinkedIn, the the better managed groups, when something untoward shows up, the group manager will trash it. Sure. Or one of the group members will point it out and flag it. And that's one of the things that we see is the importance of those communities that are of your interest, uh, of people like you. Uh, those are still very trusted, uh, that those you, – you kind of feel like those people have your back. They're not going to share something that is a little dubious – or even you know, overtly sales-ish with it with an agenda. Yeah, yeah, and and again, you know, there there's lots of lots and lots of ways to to share, and um, you know, I'm I'm in the middle of teaching my uh, once a year graduate class at GW right now. I teach in the uh, the only program that offers a master's degree in government contracting, and. <clears throat> no surprise, I teach the marketing course, but you know, half my students are 1102s, half are industry. We don't have really any student students, right? So, and they keep reminding me the 1102s, especially who are in DOD or closer to the IC, they keep reminding me that you know a lot of this stuff doesn't apply to me because I can't do any of this at work, and I don't want to do it at home. Yeah, there are some, and I, I will say that's one of the reasons why I believe the federal numbers are a little suppressed as well in the social media side of things is because you do have that DOD component. When we looked at media usage in one of our other studies, a much broader study that looks at defense and civilian agencies, we do see social media usage lower among DOD. Uh, you've got a lot of environments that they go into during the day where they lead, they check their personal device at the door uh, and cannot access any of those sites. But I will say for the civilian audience that the blurring of the day of when you're at work and when you're at home has really gotten very gray. It's not the 5 o'clock, I shut it down, I go home. They're still clicking and accessing things from personal feeds. I know I see work-related feeds in my personal feeds now. Everybody's starting to see that, and I think we're seeing that blurring happening at the government level as well. Yeah, but, you know, on one more tidbit about LinkedIn. I have I have just about 9,500 connections. I'm, I'm not an open networker, but I connect with people in our market, right? 
So in about 7 8% of those are feds. And I have connections with feds where I share 500 to 1,500 connections with them. So some of them are actually quite active and quite willing to connect to industry on LinkedIn. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It's, yeah. I, I think the, the bugaboo about it that was maybe five, eight, ten years ago has died down a little bit. I think there was always the concern by some govies way back when, you know, am I going to get myself in trouble if I'm on there? I don't think that's quite the same place it was once. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if they express an untoward opinion, they may still, but they know better. Yes. I, yeah, education is definitely better. Yeah, education is definitely better. You want to touch on any of the gaps here? You know, the gaps I really see come back to that uh, point of social media um, and the role that social media has in that distribution. One thing we do notice uh, in state and local governments is that they are hungry for information. So they are looking for information about things from anywhere they can get it, whether it's a website they go to or a social media feed. So they're pulling that information and they also tend to be smaller shops. It's one or two people making those decisions, not I'm one person of 20 that is going to weigh in on this. So they are pulling that information and they're leveraging wherever and whenever they can, including social media. Yeah. And, um, um, well, we'll get into it later. Uh, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower off center on federal news radio, part of the federal news network. I'll wrap up with Aaron right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm here with Aaron Heffron. If if you're not, you know, if you don't have the report in front of you, download it. Go to marketconnectionsinc.com, download the 2019 content, uh, how's this called? Content Marketing Review 2019. Um, uh, and, and then listen to the show again. It'll make a heck of a lot more sense if you have the document in front of you and you can we're we're jumping uh we're skipping some slides so you may not want to but you'll be able to catch most of what we're we're really talking about here so let's let's talk about um uh sources what sources do feds or sleds favor yeah when we talk about sources i'm not saying it's the encyclopedia britannica to to date myself a little bit here but more of who is the one producing this content that they're willing to Trust, and that's the that's always the big nut. You know, you, you worry that you're going to create a piece of content and put it out there, and there everybody's going to go. You know what? That's produced by the industry. I'm not going to follow that because they have an agenda. They have a dog in this fight, and we do see some differences in the level of trust in in the content that they're getting. We see that the federal folks first lean into those reports that come from other governmental bodies, the interagency working groups and other sorts of entities like that that put out information on new technologies, new direction the agencies are going to go. The flip side, we see the state and local folks, the SLED folks, don't have that luxury. They don't have the same infrastructure in place the feds do. So they will lean more back toward the industry and say, hey, give me some of that information. Help educate me. Now, a third of the feds still go to industry. So I'm not saying that the content is is not important for you to put out there. But you know, other areas to look at is look at those independent third parties out there, the professional associations, trade associations, uh, the trade press. Those are great 
uh, vehicles to partner with as a marketer to put it out there so that maybe you're not seen as the lead as a marketer on this, uh, but it's given the kind of good housekeeping seal by some of these associations and such, uh, and folks will trust that. They'll read that information. Right, or if if the association co-sponsored research. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, that's that's always great. We do that with a number of different organizations where we'll work together, a vendor, a professional association, us, will put together those kind of bits of research that they can then leverage and use out there. You know, they're always, you know, you got to think about your marketing as far as what you want to get out of it and what you know the market knows about you. Um, on the federal side, they are more likely to click on information from somebody they already know. Yep. So the content marketing is going to be more effective to those customers where you've already laid groundwork. Uh, don't expect your content to be uh, something that's going to raise awareness or of your organization. Uh, think about it as I want to gain depth of knowledge uh, among my customers. I want them to make them understand what I do and maybe what other offerings uh, that we can bring to the table for them. Right. Um, that's where they're willing to go. State and local, God, they're hungry for information. They'll they'll download and read anything. That, you know whether they know you or not. Uh, but really, if you can still go through those professional associations, trade press, that's going to be your best vehicle to try to get that in front of them. There you go. Uh, let's talk a little bit about time spent, um, yeah. how, how people are spending their time consuming this information. Yeah, time's the big boogeyman that we're fighting against. Everybody's you know stretched thin from morning to night. When do you get this to them? And we see folks are willing to spend a good amount of information engaging with this stuff. And we said, all right, when do you start losing people? You know, when is a blog post too long? When is a video too long? Do you start losing people? And we, so we kind of set the clock on it, you know, figuratively, and found that the blog post for federal folks, the blog posts, the videos, the podcasts, those tend to need to be on the shorter side. They tend to be, you know, anywhere from one minute up to maybe three or four minutes, but don't you start losing more than half of your audience once you get past that mark with those videos, podcasts among the federal audience. You start moving along. The case studies they're willing to spend a lot more time with, uh, maybe spend 15 minutes or more with them, ebooks, and really where they're willing to spend the most amount of time is the webinars. And I don't think that's surprising to anybody. That's kind of the mindset we've all been developed over time is a webinar is going to be 30 minutes, 45 minutes long. And if it's good, there's a number of people who will sit on a webinar for over an hour if it's got content that they really want. Or that they can use or that day. Even more yeah. what they can use, yes. <clears throat> and that's really you know the big thing. What was interesting, and this is where we saw some of the biggest differences between the federal audience and the state and local audience, is that amount of time. The state and local audience still said, keep my blog short, keep them that one to two minutes long that I can read them. But you know what I also need to keep short? Keep the case studies and white papers short. Keep those five, ten minutes long. Don't stretch out into something that's pages and pages I have to read. What I am willing to do, though, is I'm willing to sit and, re and listen or watch a video or a podcast that's much longer than my federal counterparts are. You know, give me a podcast that's 15, 20 minutes long. I'll watch a 20-minute to a half-an-hour video, 
something that a Fed wouldn't consider doing. So I think it's showing just part the age difference, but also part of the level of access and ability to stream those things at work um, because uh, you know that's that's where people want to get their information and are spending their time. Yeah, and, and we're we're coming up on uh, fifteen plus years in a Web two O world. So how the the world consumes information has radically changed in the last fifteen years, and it continues to evolve. And um, yeah, know. I mean the big the big story <laughs> is you know that we found in the federal side. We said, what do they do with the content once they get it? Because uh, I think all of our goal is to have the have reach one person with content and then have them carry the water forward to everybody they know. Right. That's the dream. What we're fine. What we found is we interviewed and surveyed the feds and say, what are you most likely to do with it? Some of it will share it electronically. That's probably the most important you know aspect of it. But there is a large contingency, four out of ten of them, that actually print it out. They'll print it out to read, either read later, or some actually print it out in order to share it. So they'll print it out and carry it down the hallway to their colleagues. Uh, you know, something that definitely shows a different culture. So everybody's been pushing to make everything mobile friendly. Yep. And you got to remember, in some cases, you still got to make it print friendly for the feds. As state and local, though, they will forward it and share it. They don't want to print it out and read it. They're going to share it on social media for you and let the social media and such kind of take it forward from there. Yep. We're going to skip content engagement. I want to, because we don't have that much time left. I want to go to the takeaways. Um, and, and you had several. And, and, you know, we touched on the first one earlier, but. Yeah. I mean, the, the main takeaways I have from all of this is, is your content is that really it's about creating your content that can play everywhere. You want to create content, and this is you know, marketing content 101 for many of the marketers, but it plays um, out there is that if you have good research and data and you have good past performance information, use those as the building blocks, and then every content piece is built off of those. So have that good information in there, and that can be a blog one day. It can be a white paper the next. It could be part of your webinar as you go. Um, and you have to strike that balance of whether it's information that they want to sit and read and spend time with or whether they want to lean back and get that information. It's going to be a mix. And there's a little bit of trial and error that goes into it of knowing what's going to hit. Uh, it's going to be age-specific. It's going to be agency-specific as you go. But try to get that mix where you're not putting all your eggs in this really awesome wet white paper you have maybe make that white paper in a way that can be listened to as well. Yeah, and and again, put it somewhere where they can find it. Put it where they can find it so that, you know, whether it's, you know, it should definitely be on your website. It should be SEO optimized so people can find it for the lookers, for the people who want to come across it. Make sure that you are present on social media. Don't be afraid to have stuff out there. You know, I, I think there's always the concern that I don't want to bombard people in their personal space with this message. I think people's personal spaces are getting <clears throat> smaller and smaller and that it's it's not as big of a deal for those that are younger coming into the workforce now. They're just yeah. not worried about it. And, and you know, if, if it's out there on social, if you haven't 
you know, shot it directly to their inbox, they can pass by if they're not interested. So yeah, it's a it's a choose. They can surf right by it, you know, as they say, and and not use it. But it needs to be compelling uh, as you go. You know, that hook that gets them gets them where they are, and you need to meet them where they are. If it's an emerging technology, you need to talk about the value benefits of it. What are you going to get out of it? Because maybe it's a non-technical person that happens to be go buy it. Um, but at the same time, when they click through it and get more depth in that content, it's got to have the the bones of really detailed information that the technical person can latch onto, and it not be something they look at and go, "Yes, I knew that." They look at it and say, "Okay, that's telling me something I didn't know," or helping me create the RFP specifications that I want to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, was there anything different with the uh, the state and locals? Uh, the state and local, I think, really leveraging the social media to help tell a story <laughs> and make your collateral shareable. Uh, you have a lot of people out there who are one and two person shops in this area. They are looking for something that is going to help inform them. But once they make their decision, they need to justify their decision. And we found that one of the things that makes collateral materials really effective for state and local is that it supports their viewpoint. I know that sounds a little bit like I'm going to only listen to the things that I want to listen to. Right. But you need to have your collateral written in a way that if they have to share it around or they're called to task on why did they make this decision, you have something that can help explain why that decision was made. Yeah, and I've I've always found that downloadable PDFs from your website with your 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 one pager and your collateral works. Yeah, you have that catchy hook at the beginning that tells a little bit of the story about how this has worked for somebody else, um, and how you as a company have worked for somebody else and made this happen and brought great benefit to it. But then on the flip side, here's the details on how to move forward. Any final thoughts? You know. Content, I, I had to laugh. There was a uh, content piece that came up. I saw it on LinkedIn that was a reference to Game of Thrones. And the final episode talked about what saves kingdoms. And kingdoms are all about stories. And I know I've been in the market a little too long when I immediately start thinking about content marketing during the finale of Game of Thrones. <laughs> but it's true. It's about stories and the story of your company and the story of your product and services and how you've helped people is really what's going to carry your water forward. There you go. Uh, Aaron Heffron, Market Connections, marketconnectionsinc.com. Heffron with two Fs on LinkedIn. This is not my day job. I do advise companies on content marketing, building a subject matter expert, and leveraging LinkedIn for social selling. These are all interrelated, boys and girls. So if it rings a bell with you, uh, drop me a line at uh, mark at federaldirect.net. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
E-commerce merchants, does consistent monthly growth while hitting ROI goals sound good? Here at AdRoll, our customers constantly let us know it feels good. AdRoll helps you attract new customers and bring shoppers back to finish the sale. Integrate your e-commerce store with AdRoll and manage display, social media, and native advertising all in one place. Sounds good, right? See the difference. Visit AdRoll.com to get started today.